You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. Yes, the struggle is real, my friends, but let us help you uncover some of the mystery that is this challenging business of rock and roll. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and I am excited to be here today. As always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, a record label owner, fellow artist manager, and fashion icon, Mr. Mike Mowry. Hello, hello. Happy Monday to everybody, and thanks for bearing with us as this episode comes out just a tad later than it normally would. Yeah. In the last episode, we talked about breaking into the music biz. That was a cool episode, so check it out if you haven't already. This week, we take a fan question from one of our loyal listeners. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. So, Mike, what's new in your world? Oh, my friend, as we were talking about before we hit record, we've had some fantastic weather here uh, on the East Coast. And the only complaint I would have is I could use a little bit of rain because I'm one of those guys that suffers pretty bad allergies, and they have been in fuego. That said, when I'm not trying to mitigate them, I am really enjoying pretty much picture-perfect weather. So, what about yourself? You're out on the road, right? Yes, I am uh, currently on tour um, with uh, the Zach Sabbath Project, and we actually had uh, an Aussie gig at the Louder Than Life Festival on uh, Saturday. So that was uh, that was a cool little treat to throw where, in the mix. Where, where is where was louder than life? Ken- is that Kentucky, Louisville? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Louisville, nice. Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? I saw a lot of people posting about it and people talking about it. Was it was it pretty awesome? Yeah, man, it was massive. I mean, it's like a pretty stacked bill. You know, it was like I mean, at least on the day that we played, it was like Ozzy, uh, Five Finger Death Punch, Rob Zombie. Um, uh, Eagles of Death Metal, Hailstorm, um, yeah, you know, it was just, it was stacked, man. Like, uh, so if you were there, I'm thinking, if you like rock and roll, it was a good day to party, you know? Yeah, no doubt about <laughs> it. That's <laughs> that's pretty insane, and that's one of those, uh, many of the, one of the many Danny Wimmer Presents festivals that's um, come up, you know, in the last couple of years, and you know, they're the guys responsible for Rock on the Range and uh, Aftershock out in California and so many of these others. So, um, you know, I think we may have talked about it on one of the previous episodes, but they, they just really do a fantastic job. You know, when we were at Rock on the Range, I know we talked about it because they were dealing with all of the rainstorms and whatnot. And, you know, I was just so impressed with how well they handled everything. And it's it's cool to, to see that they're thriving and it's, you know, providing an environment for yeah, tons of fans to come out and enjoy some some great rock and roll. No doubt. 
Well, um, today we got uh, one of our listeners uh, wrote us in, and it's a, a little bit detailed, so I figure we, uh, we break it down um, until we get to his uh, questions. But, um, but, he's got, but I figure that this is potentially a pain point, or he hits on pain points that, uh, other, you know, that our listeners uh, may have uh, encountered or potentially will encounter. So I thought this would be a, a good one. So anyway, he begins, hey there, this is Todd. I am a student of 60 Days to Signable and Unleash It Right and longtime listener of the podcast. And I would say thank you, Todd, for that. Yeah, and just to clarify for those of you who may be listening for the first time, um, both of those are courses that I have developed along with my partners at Outer Loop Coaching. Um, and so, Todd, thanks for being a student of both of those classes. And yeah, hopefully this is uh, a really helpful episode. And if, and if after the, the fact, if you guys are interested, uh, please don't hesitate to check out the, what we have to offer over at OuterLoopCoaching.com. Uh, he continues, my band recorded a five-song EP with a well-known producer last year. We paid a lot of money for it, and without really taking time to learn about the industry or business side of things, or consider self-releasing, we jumped the gun and signed with an indie label to a not-so-good contract. Uh, we soon realized that was a mistake. The release plan we had in place, which was a part of a PR campaign we'd already paid for, was scrapped and we didn't get our money back. The singles from the EP weren't released or supported well. We pressed physicals on our own, the label didn't want to, and we didn't know about UPCs at the time, so we have about 200 copies left without barcodes that we can't report. So before I go further, let's break yeah, this I was, down I was, a I was bit, gonna right? say, let's, let's get in a little early here. So what, uh, what is your takeaway or what are your comments at the outset here? Um, I feel like he's laying the foundation for a band that's been taken advantage of by some people with some names, you know, that, that have got maybe some clout in the business. But, um, but I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, man, and maybe I'm kind of, you know, getting a, you know, but I, I feel like indie labels and producers like people are getting a little bit in desperate times and i feel like maybe there's some producers out there that are becoming a little predatory on um on these young up-and-coming bands and um and they're taking and they're taking advantage of of guys like this that yeah I, okay i mean i don't i don't want to cut you off but i'm i'm gonna take but I'm going to. How's that? Um, <laughs> unless you want to finish out that thought, I apologize. No, no, no. Go ahead. I mean, that was kind of my job. Well, I thought. was just going to say, I mean, I'm curious because, you know, I'm curious if, if they recorded the EP prior to the label finding them, which is what I'm assuming, right? That's that's says, the way he rolls it out. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. And then, you know, like there's nothing wrong with a label hearing that music, getting excited and wanting to you know, support the artist. And, you know, I can, I've, I've seen it plenty of times, you know, band goes and hires a publicist or, you know, engages in a PR campaign and then a label expresses interest and yeah, they've got their own built in publicist or their own relationships. And so, yeah, that money that you've sunk in, you know, is, is sort of gone by the wayside. 
And then, yeah, I mean, at the outset, I mean, most labels uh, are going to look at that initial EP as, you know, just a developmental tool. And so I can, yeah, I mean, I, I can see a lot of labels doing digital only, um, you know, out of the gates. Unless the band has a tour or some sort of existing following, um, you know, to warrant, you know, physical pre-orders. Like, yeah, I've watched plenty of labels say, let's, you know, let's go out. Let's start to build the story. And so right out, right now, nothing in what he said thus far surprises me. And I do want to make one clarification because he says, we didn't know about UPCs, so we have about 200 copies left without barcodes that we can't report. And you're... And I'm going through this actually with an artist who I'm talking to on my label side who has pressed their own CDs and doesn't have a barcode on the back and said, hey, how can we scan these? It's not about having a barcode on the back. It's really just about having a UPC um, associated with the physical product that you can then use to report. So I, that's that's a really small clarifier and... To many of you out there, probably makes no difference. But just because a CD doesn't have a barcode on the back, that has nothing to do with whether or not you can associate it with a UPC and and make that um, capable of of scanning things through SoundScan. Yeah, and and this was kind of a red flag for me, right? Because it's like if the label, if it's a real label, right? Wouldn't you know you as a label guy? Like, wouldn't the label be like, hey, guys, like, check it out. Like, you know, this is developmental for us. We're just going to do, we're just going to do it digitally. We're going to throw it out there. We're going to see if it justifies, you know, making physical product. It's, it's really hard to get those things in stores now. And people don't have, you know, CD players are kind of becoming extinct, right? We're, we're just going to, we're going to pace ourselves here. And I get that. Um, but if the band goes, hey, man, like, you know what? We've got some extra funds. We would like to make physical copies to sell at shows or whatever. Can you provide us the UPC? Like, wouldn't you Wouldn't you think from the label standpoint, they would have provided him that just for the simple fact of like, man, if, if, if these can be scanned, that would be great for us. That, that helps a little bit of visibility, right? Yeah, and I totally agree. And I think there's one thing you're assuming because, you know, this is how you and I would go about it because of our experience. We would have had that conversation. I'd be curious if Todd and his group actually had that conversation with the label saying, hey, we're going to manufacture these on our own. Hey, do you have a UPC? Might have been something that he didn't know about and didn't convey to the label. If he did have that conversation and they said, you know, bugger off, <laughs> then that's a huge red flag. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on. About a month before the EP's actual release, we lost two members one of whom was the singer on the album a couple cut of hold on hold <laughs> on hold on what yep. <laughs> for real yeah no wonder the label only wanted to press digital because this happens far more than many people out there would realize yeah. anyway a couple of months ago we talked to the label and secured a release we decided again hastily i think to just Give up rights to the EP because we didn't have the same members anyway. Looking back, I think that was a mistake because the label didn't pay for any part of the recording, production, etc. of the EP. Well, and and again, 
the industry is in flux at all times. And I have watched and have participated in relationships where bands do go and pay for their masters. Um, and the label isn't involved because it's before the label. And we've got, at that point, we have no control over what, you know, a band has paid. And so we've done it where we've said, hey, come in, you know, and, and again, I like to think our deals are very fair, but come into our family, you know, and you're going to get a whole bunch of value, whether or not we're creating content, whether they be videos, you know, lyric videos, visualizers, playthroughs, you name it. And that's our contribution, you know, not our staff, our time, our, you know, funding uh, or, and or creation of these other assets can and should be very equal to what you've brought to the table. Um, and then if we've got an equal, you know, a very fair split, and again, he's saying it, they didn't have a good contract, but it doesn't, to me, this isn't like, I've seen this happen a lot and I don't hate it just because, you know, the label is offering something. They're offering their brand, their validation, and then all of those other things that I just mentioned. Yep. Uh, now we're debating whether or not to approach the label to buy the rights back. We have new songs, but we feel that EP could have been so much more than it was, especially with the knowledge I now have uh, from 60 Days and Unleash It Right. Our thinking is that we'd use the stems we already have from the EP, uh, FX and drums, then re-record the guitar's bass, maybe in a different tuning, and also have our new vocalist do his version of the vocals and get everything remixed and mastered. So he sets it up. So my questions. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I sort of like where he's going. Yeah. All right. So I'm feeling so, it. Right. So it seems like he learned something from, you know, from us and from you. Uh, so my questions. He has two questions. Number one, in terms of masters, let's call the masters we gave up as set A and the ones we hypothetically redo as set B, would they technically be separate sets of masters? to where we wouldn't necessarily have to buy the old ones back, or would they be re-recordings? This is where, you know, we, by the time we get to episode 50, you know, we'll have like a little bit that our, our producer for our, you know, you know, for the show here can just insert. Mike and Blasco have no actual legal background <laughs> and therefore cannot be, you know, advise you on the legality of this statement. They will provide opinions and note that they are merely only opinions because this is a relatively complex question. It seems very simple, but it isn't. Um, and it's fascinating because one of the artists that I work with who's, you know, been around a long time, we've been looking at their deal, uh, one of their record deals, and, and looking at the re-record provision if there is one. And so oftentimes in deals, labels put something in there called a re-record provision. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the recording that you gave the label is one of those masters set a and there's usually a time period by which you're not allowed to go and re-record you know those masters set b what i'm taking away is if you're going to use 
even stems, you know, some FX and drums, that's not a new, those are parts from your old master. So if you came in and said, we're going to redo everything, right? And there was no re-record provision in your contract. And again, Blasco and I don't have the liberty of being able to look at your contract, but um, let's just assume that there isn't a re-record provision. Then if you re-recorded everything, you'd be fine. Set B, you'd be free and clear. Now's when we're going to like, you know, just not necessarily go on record, but say you could potentially use your FX and drums and just not tell anybody. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if, if you were going to hold me on record, I would say you, are, you need to go re-record every single thing in order for it to be a new recording. Again, I'm not an attorney. Uh, we could maybe call an attorney in the future and ask them. They might have a little bit of different opinion or advice, but that is my understanding of it. Is What is, what is your take on it? I have two potential options, right? But option A, couldn't they call the label and be like, guys, check it out. Like, you know, you had no financial investment in this. It was all, you know, it was all on us. At the end of the day, this was kind of a false start. We lost our singer, you know, right before the EP came out. You know, we didn't, we didn't do much. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, it, wa it wasn't a good relationship, right? It wasn't a good partnership. Uh, you, you know, they did The label didn't get much out of it. The band didn't get much out of it. There was a lot of false starts. Would it be cool if we hit the reset button? Give us, you know, give give us back the, you know, the masters. This is what we plan to do with them. We're gonna re-record some shit and da 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 and whatever. And, and then let's just go from there. And, and maybe the label could be cool about it, right? And they could be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Fucking, you know, we, we have no financial loss in this. And, and uh, you know, best, you, you know, it's possible that the label could be human about this, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he even says, I think he says, buy the old ones back. So he's not even assuming that he could go to the label and say, hey, you know, look, let's let's do a redo. Give us our masters back. He's saying approach him to buy it back. So yeah, I think that's a very real discussion to be had. Yeah. Option B, I would think that um, if there was no real win in this and uh, musically you think that there's still something in there, couldn't they just change the name of the band? <laughs> like, couldn't, couldn't they just do what they want to do, keep the drums and, and effects and re-record the shit with a new singer, re-record the songs in a different tuning, and just change the name of the band, and just start over? Couldn't they do that, and like no one fucking knows the difference? I mean, yeah, you're, that's sort of the, yeah, I mean, again, uh, legally, I don't think it would technically free them up, um, and, you know, I mean, I can see, it's just so interesting, because I can easily wear both hats here, you know? I could see the label, and, and again, I can think of some very specific labels who would just be like, man, really? You know, you're going to come back to me and want these freaking rights back? Like, you, you've already wasted everybody's time. I mean, you came to us. Mind you, we took a chance on you, but, you know, you guys came at us, you know, gave us this great music. We were all gung-ho. We put our efforts behind it, and then you lose two members, you know, like damn, what a waste of everybody's time. We're not even going to engage in this. We're going to keep these masters. Uh, we're going to keep them up. They're already in our system. It's a pain in the ass to take them down. And lo and behold, if you continue on and for some reason you get your shit together and your band blows up, eh, we've got the CP. You know, and that's, that's the price of doing business. Um, you know, and I guess the only challenge of, you know, 
re-recording the same thing, even if you're changing the tuning and changing the vocals, is, um, yeah, I mean, the label probably will catch wind of it. It's a very small world, as we both know. Um, and I don't know if they would be vindictive enough to, to care and do something, but you, you might run into some challenges there. But, yeah, I mean, that's also a healthy uh, suggestion of something something to give a shot. I think, ultimately... I might say, forget about it, man. You got two new members. Why don't you figure out how to move forward? Um, you know, I could see if these things were super popular. Like, I actually have one artist on the label, and they had an EP that a lot of people really liked. They switched their vocalists. We've been discussing, you know, re-recording the old stuff with the new vocalist and getting it out there because this is material that's now, you know, cemented as part of their, you know, DNA. They play these songs live and people have requested and the band wants to have different versions with the current vocalist. So we've worked through that sort of stuff, but you know, unless, and that's, you know, we're, we're making that decision because these are songs that people really like, you know, they're popular songs for the band. If you didn't make any progress on it and there's nothing going on, like, who gives a shit? Make new music with your two new guys and <laughs> get out of there, you know? Yeah. Uh, I would add that if I'm reading between the lines here, there's potentially some money in that they paid, you know, for this, you know, name producer guy to make an EP. Um, you know, they're, they're students of yours. Um, they're willing to buy back their masters. Uh, if I'm reading between the lines, there's some money here, right? So... Maybe a glaringly obvious option C that we're overlooking here is hire a fucking attorney, man. <laughs> like potentially this contract has gigantic holes in it that some guy can just look it over and just be like, oh yeah, th th this provision isn't in there, which actually makes this contract null and void. You can walk with your masters right now. You know what I mean? Like if you've got some money, man, like hire an attorney, email us. Or we'll give you some referrals and uh well and you know what this is this is really interesting because this is part of the challenge i mean in the coaching platform which i think we've done an amazing job and we've really tried to 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 make it like we've invested a lot of time and energy and effort in both of those classes um you know which really 60 days assignable and release it right unleash it right was this bonus episode on the back half of release it right that talks about sort of like my tips and tricks of how we've been able to get bands on the charts by making sure, you know, setting everything up to work to our advantage to to have the most amount of scans first week, which of course leads to charts. But Release It Right was really setting up a fantastic release plan. But both of those courses come with these amazing workbooks. And it allows you to go step by step through the process that, you know, we would do with any of our bands. But ultimately, I realized like, it's sort of like me having a freaking, you know, manual to, to put, you know, to, to build, I don't know, you know, a piece of Ikea furniture, right? Mm -hmm. Like all the information's there, but there's, you know, some dude who works at Ikea that's way better at putting it together <laughs> because he's experienced, right? I can painstakingly go through it, but I might cut a corner. I might do something, you know, out of, you know, the wrong way and ultimately, um, even though the material is there, it, it is, this is challenging stuff. And so to everybody out there listening, I mean, Todd, thanks for, you know, being brave enough to, to talk about your mistakes, but 
People make mistakes all the time, myself and Blasco included, if you guys can believe it. Um, if you do believe it or, or you don't actually, you know, feel free to send us an email. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look, th- these are, these are, uh, these are challenges that people get themselves into in this business and, and always have because yeah, I mean, there's some cha- there's some, some really, uh, I guess, intricate nuances that, that do exist. Yep. Uh, question number two, is it worth our time to worry about it or should we just accept our mistakes, cut our losses, and focus solely on new material? We do have two new tracks we're planning the releases for currently, but we also feel there's more that could be done with the old EP and that giving up on an investment isn't necessarily the best idea but also chasing a dead one might not be either. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of what we, we, you know, just discussed a little bit. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think that there's any right answer in here. It goes back to how much do you love this? You know, your older material, I would say, you know, with new members, there's nothing wrong with focusing on new material, so you might just want to cut those losses and, and go from there. What's your take? I agree, man. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's like you just got to be honest with yourself. It, it sucks to potentially lose that investment. But if it's just backpedaling for the sake of the investment, it's probably not the right decision. You know, you might as well just cut the losses and move forward, you know. Um, anyway, he concludes... Sorry for the length of this email. Thanks for your time and always awesome insight. Best, your loyal listener, Todd. That concludes episode 38. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. Because, hey, people, we do the show for you. Consider it a tool for understanding this ever-so-challenging and confusing business of music. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? No, I just want to say thanks, Todd, and everybody else out there who is uh, a loyal listener. We really enjoy being able to give you guys uh, you know, our feedback and opinions on this crazy, crazy business. And you know, the nice thing is we're working through a lot of the same things that you guys are presenting uh, week to week. So please don't hesitate to hit us up. As Blasco said, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. And as I've mentioned a couple times, please uh, head over to outerloopcoaching.com and see what we have to offer. We've got some really cool things that are in the works. Um, and at the very least, if you give us your email, we'll send you our music management primer um, a little ebook that I created that I think gives you a nice lay of the land of what a manager is and can do for you. Um, yeah. Once again, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, this episode might come out later than you would normally have it, but you know, Blasco is, uh, out there living the life of a true rock star and, um, I'm juggling daddy daycare. So peace guys. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks everybody.
This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on the corner of Gray Street.